Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we have the Washington Wizards team preview up next in our series. Ben Gulker and I talked to Michael Sykes of Bullets Forever about Otto Porter's greatness, the Wizards' potential locker room dysfunction, and Washington as a 50-win team in 2019. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, like, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the post on Detroit Bad Boys. It's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what the fans want. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. I am joined this week by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you doing? Doing good, Laz. Still surviving the dog days of summer. Hoping the podcast brings a little relief to everybody out there with the uh, lack of NBA happenings at the moment. It's, it's getting really hard out here. Luckily, the, the WNBA playoffs are about to start, so we get like a little bit of basketball content. But uh Man. Yeah, it's rough right now. WNBA has been excellent this year, I I must yeah. say. So that voice you hear right now is Michael Sykes. Uh, he writes for Bullets Forever, but his day job is at uh, Axios. Mike, what's going on? Hey, man, nothing much. Just, uh, you know, trying to make it through these dog days, like you say, without debating too much about uh, where Nikola Jokic stands in the in the NBA. So <laughs> yeah, let's, not, <laughs> let's not do that right now. <laughs> So uh, we wanted to bring you on to talk about the Washington Wizards, a team that had what I would consider like a really odd offseason. So we're going to start off with the question we ask everybody to begin these team previews, which is, Mike, uh, give us the one word that sums up Washington fans' feelings about this offseason. Eh, it's pretty much it. Is that, a, is that I, a word? I think so. Let, let, let's let's go with that. Like, I, I think there's a, there's a healthy amount of skepticism about um, – what this team could be, right? Like, I, I think a lot of people think that either this team is going to be great or this team is going to be a monumental failure. And there's no real in-between there. Like, the Dwight Howard edition has people kind of excited because this is the first center that they've had that can actually jump in years. But, you know, it's it's still Dwight Howard, and he's killed two teams really three teams in in the last four years so yeah that's that i mean like and austin rivers no yeah. no uh no uh locker room uh savant himself and jeff green who's just a guy who's been perpetually disappointing throughout this entire uh throughout his i think his career you know since the heart thing that happened uh, a couple couple years ago um so I guess the next question is obviously like how how will this team interact? Like, do we have like do we have any clues or any hints of that? Like, in going into the season, do we see like the Instagram photos of them vacationing together or like work some workout tapes or like what is this team going to get along? Yeah, I, I mean, I think they'll get along, right? But it 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 kind of depends on what you think get along means right like I, I i think that this team like they'll be able to tolerate each other 
Um, I'm not sure if they'll be like the the tightest knit crew. Like they're not going to be DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, buddy, buddy, right? Like that's not going to be a thing. But I think their relationship, um, really, really speaking about Bradley Beal and, and John Wall, who like that's that's kind of the go to, right? Like that's what what people think about or whose relationship people think about when you, you talk about the Wizards. Like I, I think they get along um well enough and, and they like each other enough to um to work on the court. But like the question is like can you add um like we said Dwight Howard and Austin Rivers specifically to this mix that was already kind of out of whack last season because of um really because of a number of things uh from injuries to just you know trash talk with within the locker room and um and stuff like that like can you can you add those volatile personalities and and still have a, a good product on the court and I, I think that remains to be seen but but the the encouraging thing is that i i think um as far as a basketball fit uh rivers and howard fit perfectly right Je- jeff green fits perfectly in in the in the sense that he's he's a <sighs> Jeff Green's not that good, right? But like if if he if he's gonna be like your ninth or tenth guy, right, and he's gonna play, you know, hopefully he'll he'll get minutes at at stretch four um behind Markeith Morris and hopefully Otto Porter, who plays a lot of uh power forward this year. Like then then that's fine, right? And like I said, Dwight Howard is a, a center who can jump, which is what this team is needed. Um, for at least five years now. And um, Austin Rivers is a guard who can create his own shot. Is he that good of a player? No, but he's at least, like, defenses worry about him um, as as far as his creation ability uh, off of the bench. So if you you have those guys in limited roles, right, I I, I think it works on the court. But like, like you said, the the question is it it really is off the court whether whether these guys mesh together or not beyond the uh feeling about the season um what letter grade would you give the wizards for their offseason performance in terms of uh reshaping the roster a little bit uh i would say a c plus um which might be I, that could be a bit generous um depending on how you look at it but i think just coming into this offseason there wasn't that much they could do like this roster is pretty much set for the next three years um with with their core pieces and and really the thing is like you have to add things around around that core to make it go but it, I think they did a solid enough job with with the resources that they had this year really the the only um the only mechanism of note that they had to work with was the uh the mini mid-level and whatever else they were going to do was going to be um, via trade. There was no, they didn't have a a chance to sign any um, big name free agent or anything like that because they were strapped for cash. But uh, I like Troy Brown as an addition um, in the draft, right? Dwight Howard is fine for what he's making, 5.3 million. Um, Jeff Green is cool too, I guess, if he's going to make the minimum and, and not really do anything. Austin Rivers is a, a an okay addition, and he his contract is pretty 
pretty big, but he's only here for one year, and, and Gortat was going to be the, there for the um, the same year. So they save about one million uh, in that, and then that that's not even taking into account the the luxury tax penalties that they would have faced um, from that one million dollars. So you know, um, it, it was it was a fine off season, I guess. There was no there was no splashy move or anything, but that's not really what they needed. They they just need to be healthy, and the team needs to to mesh better in the locker room. And I think, and, and if you're winning games and that, that happens really automatically. So it, it, it's really just, if you get in this, this fall and you start winning games, you get off to a really good start. Um, then, then things should go well. So with that said, where do you come down on, on the over under Washington's is uh 44 and a half uh, with, uh, with uh, what they win, like 44 games last year. Yeah. 43. 43. Yeah. It also put me on the spot here. (laughs) I, um, I tweeted earlier this off season after the, uh, the Dwight Howard signing that this team was either going to win 50 games for the first time in franchise history, which is an incredible thing. Um, considering how long this franchise has been around, um, or they would win 30 something. And there's no real in between there. Um, so I think sticking to that, I'm gonna go. Oh my god, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with 50 wins for this team. I I kind of believe I'm one of those people who think that what really what really did them in last season was John Wall not being healthy and and his health is still a huge question coming into the season cuz anytime you have a, a a a big knee injury your health is all every year it's it's a question whether you're going to play um you know at least 70 games or not but but he only played 41 last season right and the team was it was a bit better um in the games that he played i think they were 24 and 18 or something like that and that was with John Wall when he was when he was a hobble he was hobbled right he wasn't at one hundred percent John Wall form and so like if you get a healthy John Wall he's never going to be one hundred percent right but but if you can get a John Wall that's that's eighty five ninety percent or or somewhere close in that range I think this is a really good team I think Wall's a really good player um, if Dwight Howard doesn't blow the locker room up. Then he's a great addition um, on a on a cheap contract. Um, Bradley Beal is is an all star, right? You have two all stars. Hey, Otto Porter is still a really solid player, um, really good player. Uh, some people think he's an all NBA player um, in, in Wizards Twitter, but I won't I won't um, I won't go there uh, with Porter. But but I I just think this is a really good. Um, it has a chance to be a really good, really well rounded out roster, and and I think um, this is. This is a team that, though their style is a bit antiquated, I, I still think it it works. Um, I could be totally wrong, and since I'm sticking to a tweet that I um, which is something that you should never do, folks. Never, never follow your tweets. If, if you're a tweeter, just shoot from the hip and and uh, live with no regrets. But uh, <laughs> you know, I. I, I just really feel I have a a, a good feeling that this is going to work. Like I said, I could be completely wrong, but but I'll go with fifty on the dot. So fifty is that's that's over, but that also would make them like 
a solid playoff team. That would make them like the the four or five seed, like home court in the first round. Um, yeah, that's 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 a level of confidence that I don't feel. I don't share that. Not necessarily because like this isn't a talented team, but just like because if if anything goes wrong, like injury wise, again with them, I don't know if that would make that like that doesn't make me comfortable about like how they're gonna uh weather those tough times right like uh john wall something you know god forbid he tweaks an ankle or something and like austin rivers thinks it's his team and then like for 15 games you got to deal with that or whatever right like (laughs) very likely (laughs) there's so many there's so many like little things that could go wrong with this team that uh you know but like having the optimism in august is like basically what like what we're here for like this is this is why we do these podcasts so we can call you out on them later. Don't get me wrong, like the the margin of error for this team is really thin, right? It's razor thin. It anything any if any one thing goes wrong, right? I, I think the season is just it it goes down in the tank, right? And then next next summer we're probably talking about uh, maybe two or three players in their in their core being traded or something like that, right? Like. That that's where we could be. Um, with with that being said, though, I and, and like I honest to to be completely honest with you, I think you're one hundred percent correct. Like there should be uh, people should be ste- skeptical of this team. Um, they played okay basketball last year, but like it, it, nobody should think that this team is anything above a seven seven or eight seed at this point. I don't think. But, but you just said they were a 50 win team though. Yeah, that no, would, but that would but, definitely make them not a seven or eight. That'd make them like a four or five. Because because I'm here though, right? Like I'm <laughs> I'm I'm in I'm in DC and I'm I'm seeing like I feel like from a national perspective, like nobody nobody should think that this team nobody should have high expectations of this team, right? But but like from the way that like covering this team, it, it's so weird because like obviously like they talk a lot of trash, right? And and they have high expectations of themselves. And, and I think, um, like I'm, I'm 100% influenced by that and, and what they say. And I also just kind of look at this roster up and down. And and like I said, I I have a lot of belief in these players that, that they can be good. I mean, it wasn't two seasons ago that they had just won 49 games. Right. And they were, the thing with that season was they were, they were super healthy. Um, there were still, there were still like, there was there was still buzz about drama in the locker room, particularly between uh, John Wall, Bradley Beal, and, and uh, March and Gortat, um, because the the backcourt felt that Gortat wasn't protecting the rim enough, and Gortat was like, "Well, if you keep your man in front of you, like I don't really have to do that." And and so like that was that was a thing, but it didn't matter, right? Because because they were healthy and they were winning games and everything was fine. So so like I could. I could easily see that happening again. I, I think it will happen again. Um but but like there is there is a high chance that it doesn't, right? And and since like I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to stick with what I tweeted, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the fifty games. I'm gonna go with the over. So right. so that that's that's kind of that that's why I'm that's why I'm there. But but like like I said, you're one hundred percent right. Yeah, I like the I like the conviction of your tweets 
uh, I like the conviction you're showing in yourself right now. It's really <laughs> admirable, honestly. Well, so, well, I mean, you see where where it gets me. I'm in trouble now. So, so <laughs> when they don't, so when they don't win 50 games, like my my mentions are going to be on fire. So, so you wrote a little bit about Markeith Morris, who like we have a little bit of a Pistons tie-in with his brother Marcus. Um, they both changed their representation to Clutch uh, in the wake of like what is going to be their upcoming contract year. Um, I know we've talked a lot about Dwight Howard and John Wall and Bradley Beal and how those guys interact in the locker room. Uh, what kind of key, what kind of role is like Markeith going to be looking for on this team? Uh, like he's a really good like role player and glue guy that holds the locker room together. But like if he starts like shot hunting because he's looking for a big deal, like how how is that going to play? Yeah, and and that's where I I think the um the the clutch representation comes in. Um, I I think. Like you said, if he's shot hunting and, and trying to be the um the the second or third option for this team, it's not gonna be a good team. In fact, it will probably be a, a twenty five win team or something like that. Because Marquis Morris is not like he's a he's a fine player, but there is there is no situation where he should be taking more than maybe nine or ten shots a game. And, and like he that's kind of been that's kind of been a problem with him over the last couple of years with the Wizards. Like I, I can't tell you his exact shot output um, per game for, from the last few years, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's hovered around like 11 or 12. And and there have been times where he's been more of a focal point than, um, than Otto Porter, but like the role that they need him to play is that of a, like a really, 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 really poor man's Draymond Green where you're, you play defense, you set screens and you move the ball. And like, that's all you really need to do. Like occasionally you'll get your, your post touch or whatever, but you just have to live with that. And, and I think for, for probably definitely far too long now, Markeith has played a bit outside of that role. Last year he was pretty bad um, defensively and he was, really streaky shooting the ball, which he's been for his entire career. But like, I, I think that's why you kind of need him to do the other things like set good screens and, and play good defense and, and be a bit of a rim protector. Um, especially when you have him playing a uh, small ball center, uh, you, you need him to do that stuff for him to, him to play well. And, and I'm hoping that, um, you know, being represented by a clutch gives him a bit of a, um, a security blanket, not not only because John Wall is also a clutch client and he's really good friends with John Wall, but because like you know, Rich Paul is going to he's he's going to put you in a position where you'll be able to to either come out with a great deal or you'll have a terrible deal, but but it would be short term deal and you'll be able to play your way into another good deal, right? And and so hopefully, hopefully it works out to where. Keith is more of a um, a super role player who isn't concerned about shots, but I'm I'm not holding my breath at all. Man, I forgot that John Wall was a clutch client. That makes a lot of sense for Keith. Then, yeah, I, I, honestly, like I, you know, I, I wrote about this a little bit, but but I don't see it being a, a situation where like John Wall is like, "Yo, pay Mark Keith Morris, or I'm out of here," because like yeah, he's not that, he's that not out of feel, here. That, that, <laughs> Get, getting other guys paid doesn't really feel like a huge priority of John Walls. No, it's 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 definitely not right. Like I don't. John Wall is not like. Well, I, I say that, but he's gotten like, he's gotten Trevor Reese a really good deal. He got Martel Webster a really good deal. Um, Jared Dudley got a really good deal. Off of, like he gets people play, paid 
by playing with them, right? But like he's not like he's not like egging management and saying, "Oh, pay my guy." Like he wasn't out here talking about like pay Otto Porter this or, or pay Bradley Beal this, right? Like he's not gonna do that. But I don't. I mean, he, he, even if he was though, like I I feel like John Wall being locked in into a long term deal, um, it that takes leverage away from him and puts more of it, it it gives management more security in that like John Wall can't say yo I want you guys to pay Markeith as as much as possible and they say no and then John Wall like says all right well I'm leaving next year or whatever like he's not going to pull a LeBron right he, he even if he was as good as LeBron like he wouldn't be able to pull that because of the the long-term deal and and then like you have the fact that he's not he's obviously not as good as LeBron um, so like nobody's really worried. Nobody's really worried about what John Wall will will demand or whatever. So no, yeah, that's fair. So we got one more uh, kind of sticky contract situation for the Wizards, and that's Kelly Oubre. Uh, it's just one sticky contract situation. Well, I mean, you got a lot of long term money. That's like you're stuck. <laughs> this is sticky. Yeah. It could come apart. But uh, Oubre didn't get like the Norman Powell, Josh Richardson extension, which is like what I kind of imagined that he would get. Um, for and for a team that's like over the luxury tax and as close to the luxury tax uh while being over as the wizards are like how what kind of contract do you think he expects and like what kind of contract do you think the wizards can afford to offer him um i, I think he he expects probably somewhere around around like a, a 13 14 million dollar deal Ooh. per year yeah it's going to be hard it's going to be hard to do that it's not it's not going to happen it's not going to happen i i think the wizards um, especially with the way that he played at the end of last season, like, like if he was better, I think they would that would be a pill that they would be willing to swallow. Because, like, I, I think honestly, they're probably breaking this core up in one way or another after this season, um, anyway. And maybe Ubre is a part of that, but but like, he's a really valuable player in the sense that he's really young. Um, is a is a an okay defender. He would be a great defender if he wasn't if he wasn't so aggressive all the time. But um his his shot is such a problem, right? Like he he shot really well to start last season and then tailed off and only hit like three threes in twenty something games. And that was part of the reason why they went on the huge losing streak that they did at, at the end of the year and, and tailed off the way they did because his play, um, his play dropped a lot. And and so like, I think the wizards probably see him as like uh, a, a seven to $9 million player somewhere in that range, which is like around half of what he'll probably expect. But um. You know his his days in Washington are are probably numbered anyway. Um, I think he's I think he'll be a really good player at some point. It probably won't be here, but just seeing them draft Troy Brown and sign Jeff Green and do all this stuff at positions that Ubre would be able to to slide into right shows that they're not super confident in the way that he's played so far. And and don't get me wrong. Like you can never have too much wing depth in the NBA. I don't think like that. That's an opinion that I, that I have. Um, But for them to draft uh, a 19 year old rookie um, in that, in that same spot says that like this, 
your backup spot isn't even secured. And and for a player who's in his third year, um, you know, and who was the twelfth pick in the draft with with pretty high expectations, like they they traded up to get him, like that that's pretty disappointing. Um, so hopefully hopefully he takes a, a big step, not not for the Wizards, but just so that he can stay in the NBA and, and continue to prosper. But because uh, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of his both on and off the court, like he's a really fun dude, really really eccentric dude. Um, so I'd like to see him succeed, but he he has to play better though. So uh, in your mind, what's the biggest on court problem with the Wizards right now? So excluding any potential locker room drama with the new chemistry on the court, what's the biggest problem? Uh, right probably now? probably shooting and the um the style of play that they have. Like I I think if you if you look at their roster up and down, like it's really hard to find where they'll find solid shooting at outside of. Bradley Beal and Otto Porter and I don't think that that works in today's NBA like you have to have at least three players on the court at at all times I think that are able to um to shoot the ball unless you have one of the top five players in the league and the Wizards don't so I I I think um they'll struggle to um they'll struggle to space the floor at times and, and create open driving lanes for, for John wall and, and, and Bradley Beal when, um, when he's handling the ball and, and penetrating, unless like there's like somebody on the roster who is, who, who's like, like also like for, for example, like if Austin Rivers decides that he wants to be like a, a 39% three point shooter or something like that, or he wants to shoot like 37% again, like then, then maybe they'll be fine. But even then, like, are you going to play John Wall, Bradley Beal, Austin Rivers, and Otto Porter at the same time? Like, can, can that can he be part of um, some of your best lineups? I'm not too sure. Um, and, and then, like again, like I I think their style of play works, and and I generally think this the, the style of play where like you have a primary ball handler who um, who scores and assists and and just, but like it's just the focal point of your offense. Like I I think that works in in some cases but like it's also really predictable and easy to defend right the the thing about it is that when you have a a focal point like uh, um like when you have a, a a point guard who holds on to the ball like John Wall does or, or like Russell Westbrook does or like even like a, a dude like LeBron does right like they just have to be good enough that like while the offense is predictable they're still able to get where they want to go and and do whatever it is they want to do with the ball like and and we've seen John Wall be able to do that at times but the last season when he was not healthy it, it didn't work out right but the season before was fine and and so like I, I think if John Wall takes a step back or or he's just not as good um flat out as as he once was um then their offense is going to be too predictable and too slow and and too antiquated for them to to really um really make any noise this season i was gonna say wait scott brooks runs a predictable offense i've never heard that before man it sounds like you're talking about the distance <laughs> to me <laughs> <laughs> right it, exactly exactly it it's it's kind of disappointing because when when scott brooks first got here right you you saw there, there was a bit of, of a difference in in what we previously saw from him in Oklahoma City, right? Like there were there were more off ball actions. There was there was more cutting from the wing to the rim, 
Um, there were like lobs, backdoor lobs and, and stuff that, that was just pretty and ball movement and like really fun stuff to watch. And then like at the end of games, it's just like, John, take this ISO, Brad, take this ISO, beat your guy and we'll figure out the rest later on. And and so like, it was really exactly like what was going on in Oklahoma city um, initially. And and like the, the Pistons, I, I feel like honestly, um, the Pistons comparison is not too far off, honestly, like from the games and like, I, I'm not like, I don't watch a lot of Pistons games, but from the games that, that I did watch their offenses were pretty similar. And I was like, you know, if the Pistons had like, if Reggie Jackson was great or, or like if Ish Smith could actually like shoot the ball, then like this would be, this would probably work out. I feel like, but that's just not the case, right? Like the players, players have their limits, right? And and so like when you have limited players, you kind of have to build systems for them to overcome those limits. And and I think that's what makes a team like, like the Warriors or even the Celtics so good, right? Like you have, you have the system that players can read and they can make these, these plays that, that are built into this system and it, and it works for them. And, And that's why they win 60 plus games or whatever, but you know, that, that's not the case with, with the Wizards or the Pistons. Yeah. So you mentioned sticking to your 50-win prediction. Um, thinking about that as the best-case scenario, what do you think is the best-case scenario then for the playoffs? Do these, does this team have a chance at making some noise? I would say probably they they probably top out a second round again. Like I, I think there are – the Raptors got better, obviously, with um, – with Kawhi Leonard, right? And the Celtics are the Celtics. They'll probably win. They could be a really special team, I think, um, this season. And, like, that's not, like, a a surprising take by any means. But, like, it's, it, they, they're such a deep team with um, such immense depth on the wing that, like, it, it's – they're going to be hard to defend because they ha- have Kyrie Irving, Irving, obviously. But when you think about Gordon Hayward coming back and – Jason Tatum taking another step and, and Jalen Brown taking another step and Al Horford being as great as he is like they they have a chance to, to really be a special team. Um, the 76ers are, are going to get better. Um, Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons are two really good players and are also really, really young. They're not even close to reaching their peak yet. Um, I'm not a huge believer in the Pacers and Victor Oladipo, but, seeing what they did last season they if they take another step they can be um they can be a really great team and i think the wizards fall into um somewhere between like somewhere behind that four or five spot right in between that eight and nine spot and i think those are the teams that like they they can get a little frisky right like they have talent and they they have really good players, and if if those really good players get hot, then they win a round or two. But I don't think like I'm not I'm not seeing like conference finals or anything for these guys. Um, for teams who don't necessarily f- follow the Wizards and are kind of looking at the team from a national perspective, uh, what do you think is something that's under the radar about your team uh, that we might not be familiar with? Um, I I'm not sure if it's under the radar honestly so if it's not then I can pick something else but like I, I think Otto Porter's a really good player um like a Otto Porter is like a, a potential like 
all-star caliber player, I think. And and part of that is that he doesn't get enough of the touches that that he should. Like he hasn't been the um He's really been like a, a fourth or fifth option for the team over the last uh, couple years, which is like really weird considering like how great of a shooter he is from from deep and from mid range. Um, but I also think Otto has been like he's had problems with his aggression and, and demanding the ball, right? And and like he's also been kind of scared to let the ball go and and shoot it when he's um, when dudes are draped all over him. But like when you have a shot like that, people are going to guard you um, extremely hard. And and so like, I, I think he's just 25 years old. Right. And, and he still has a bit of room to grow. And, and so like, I, I think his game could take another step this year. And I'm not sure, I'm not saying he'll be an all-star or anything like that, but like he, he can be uh, um, like one of those guys who's, who's on the, on the cusp of that, I think. Um, it, it just depends on if he gets his touches and he's aggressive as, as he should be. Right. But, but he's a, a really good player. And, and I think a lot of people, people should know that. Like if, if, if the wizards are, are beating you, it's because Otto Porter is playing well. Yeah. I, I co-sign with that completely. He's, he's one of my sneaky good players, I think in the Eastern conference who he, he's on the cusp, I think, of making a breakout, and and I, I totally agree. He's a fun player to watch. My my kind of player. how did he how did he play when Wall went down last year? I guess that's my question because like to me, if if he's going to ever be like a guy who's more aggressive when his shot, like that would have been a time to do so. But I didn't really pay attention to the Wizards while Wall was out. So like, how did how did uh, Otto Porter Jr. play like during that stretch? Yeah, no, he was good. He was he was good um, without Wall, and and like that was the weird thing about last season, and part of why you saw like the the um, the conversation shift into like, do the Wizards actually need John Wall to to be good? Um, because Otto was was so good. I think he averaged close to to um, to fifteen points a game um, with with John Wall out. His usage went up to twenty percent, um, and his true shooting percentage hovered around I think it was like 62 percent with without wall and and that's like yeah it was he was really good and and like granted like the role was still smaller than I would have liked to see um from him and he still like he still had those aggression problems where like you'd be like Otto like you should take this shot like I don't care if the three is deep you just caught the ball it's in your pocket just shoot it like just let it go um but like he he was a, a really good player um without wall and he was solid defensively. Um I really would like to see his role increase a lot. Like if if we're being honest, like I if if everything could break the way that I wanted it to, then John Wall would be the Wizards' first option. Um as far as like handling the ball and, and usage rate. And and then it would be Otto Porter and not Bradley Beal. I I feel like Otto Porter is a better player than Bradley Beal. Um, and that Bradley Beal is like he's a skilled player and he's a really good player. Obviously, like you you're not an all star because you're a bad player, right? But like I feel like the things that Otto Porter can do for the Wizards are are probably a bit more valuable um, than what than what Beal can do for the Wizards. Like I don't I don't feel like you you necessarily need like a secondary ball handler as, as bad as a lot of people think you th- that you do. Um, and, and that's kind of the role that Bradley Beal serves and he's not necessarily like the greatest at it. So 
I don't know, but I don't know. Like Otto's really good, man. He's a really good player, and he can be good with or without uh, Wall and Bill. I think. No, I mean, I I agree with you. Uh, I'm not as high on him as uh, you or Ben are, but like I I definitely like see the the potential there, and uh, I think that he's definitely like a very effective player. But just like mentally, I'm never sure if he'll ever be more than like a fourth option if he just like never thinks of himself as more than like a fourth option, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like you, you have to, it's not just a matter of like getting the shots, but it's, do you think you deserve those shots? Right? Like, like, are you going to be, are you going to take those shots when the ball is in your hands? Right. And, and I guess like you're always limited when you're not able to, um, to handle the ball or you can't run like pick and roll simple pick and roll action or or you can't really isolate because like that's not that's not Otto's bag right that's not what he does but I don't know man like Clay Thompson is I don't want Clay Thompson dribbling but when he catches the ball he's right here to let it go right and like he can easily be like a, 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 a he's been a second option before right he can probably be somebody's first option just off of how great he is as a shooter. Like, Otto Porter's not a Clay Thompson shooter, right? He's not that type of guy, but, like, he's a really good three-point shooter. And I don't, I, I don't know, man. I just I just feel like he can be really effective. I, I really believe in Otto. No, that's fair. That's fair. So this is the Detroit, Detroit Bad Boys podcast. We do have to talk about the Pistons. So as a guy who, like, admitted he doesn't really watch that much, that much uh, Detroit basketball, how have the last six months uh, gone in your mind well, between like the Blake Griffin trade, uh, not making the playoffs and subsequently firing Stan Van Gundy and then hiring Dwayne Casey, um, the front office reshuffling? Like, what, what has been your perspective on uh, the last six months for the Pistons? Yeah, honestly, it's been kind of a whirlwind. I, I think like I was when when the Pistons traded for Blake, I, I'm a I'm a huge Blake guy. So I'm like, OK, I'm I'm with this. Like, I think. In, in the NBA, like, it's really hard to get, like, an even, like, close to an all-star caliber player, right? Like, you don't just stumble upon those guys, um, you know, haphazardly, right? There there has to be, like, no, if you're not drafting them, then you either sign them in free agency or you trade for them. And nobody signed in with the Pistons in free agency because, it, and I don't even think that that's, like, a knock on Detroit or anything like that. It's not, like, like Detroit's a, a good city, I think, and and people should want to play there, but they're just not good, honestly. And it's like, are you going to wait for somebody to say, oh, like, are you going to wait for your um, LeBron James moment where you get lucky and like a dude is like from your city, so he's like, oh man, I want to go back or I want to play here, or are you going to go out and get your guy? And they went out and got their guy, and and I'm. I'm here for that. Like that, that is aggression from a front office that I, that I would like to see. Like granted, like the front office is obviously different now, but I, 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 I like the move and Blake Griffin is a, a really good player. Um, in my opinion, still, even though he's not as athletic as he used to be, like he's still really heady and, and does a lot of really good things, I think. Um, and I, I, I think the roster last year, um obviously right like you had issues with with shooting and and talent on the roster and i'm not i'm not super sure um 
you know, and, and this is because like I haven't paid as much attention to them as I should, to be completely honest. But like, I'm not completely sure that those problems are solved. But honestly, I think, um, you know, I, I really like the young guys that the Pistons have. I'm a, I'm a huge Luke Kennard fan, and I'm, I, I kind of have an irrational love for um, Stanley Johnson, even though like he hasn't been super great. Um, I, I still really believe in him defensively, and I, I've always thought that he could do um he could just do things that like lockdown defenders can't right like I, I think he gives you something on offense like granted like he's not he hasn't been a great shooter but like he's able to he can make reads and pass the ball and and do things like that really well make even like really simple reads but that's stuff that lockdown defenders like you don't normally get out of them and and so like I, I think he's still a really young player with a chance to develop and and become something um so i'm hoping that you see a lot more um see a lot more playing time from those two and and they get better and and help uh blake and andre drummond um take this team to to another level um side note i'm i'm kind of irritated by andre drummond um because i don't think he's a good rapper but he keeps rapping and so like i i I don't know how you guys feel about that but but i I'm not even mad that he's he's rapping. I'm just mad that he's not good at it. <laughs> in my opinion, and, and I, I just wish he would stop. Um, that's that's my tangent and, and my uh, Andre Drummond opinion. But but like I, I like him as a player though. I like Dwayne Casey. Um, front office is, is going to be good. I think I, I I have I honestly have have some high hopes for you guys, and and that might be my my Blake Griffin love, but I don't care. So. Dre's album, I have not actually like gone through it all the way. What I heard on his Instagram like wasn't bad. But for me, like what's more important is that like he's confident enough to think he can rap versus like that's the kind of confidence I need from him like every night on the floor <laughs> versus like if he's actually any good at it or not. Like that to me, that's what's more important. If he's happy about the album, I'm happy that he's happy about the album. I don't really care if it's good or not. He also thinks he can play defense, though. So, true. I'm not sure what that tells us about either his defensive ability or his <laughs> rapping. So, Ben, I thought you were going to mention that he he thinks he can shoot threes now. That was your. Oh that God. Was your mo- yes. I don't know what disturbs me more: the rapping or the shooting threes. It's a toss up for me. <laughs> that must be a thing for like plotting centers now, because like Dwight Howard is is doing the same thing, taking taking step back threes. So I I, I don't know. I mean, I read that Candace uh, Buckner. Uh, article it didn't sound like I, I read it all the same way right like these guys are all trying to diversify their skill sets so they don't become like obsolete because uh they're all told like yo be the next clint capella and just like roll and dive and like rebound and black shots that's all you do and like yo like what if i want to do like more because if i can do more i'm not as replaceable and like you can't get uh javel mcgee at the minimum to do like 80% of what I do. Like, I don't want that. I don't want to be replaceable. I want to be valuable. And then how do I become valuable? Like I shoot threes. It's like, that's the thing I do now. It's like, do you make threes? It's like, no, but I shoot them. Right. And that's important. Exactly. So, exactly. Like, I'm sympathetic to those dudes. Like, honestly, this is, this is, and this is why I'm a little bit more comfortable with Andre shooting threes than Ben is because like, I, I see the desire to not want to be obsolete and like, I respect it. Like, I don't know if it's a good idea or not. And I definitely hope that, like, if he misses his, like, first 20, that like, Casey, like, has a locker room meeting is like, yo, like, cut it out. 
but uh you you know never word wonders never cease you never know the thing is though (laughs) like he's the best offensive rebounder on the whole planet and like okay so if he's if he's in position for a three you know out of a set play four times a game then that's only four possessions that you lose his offensive rebounding but i mean sometimes his best offense is his offensive rebounding so it's like I don't know how you can do both of those things, right? Like they, they seem like pretty mutually exclusive roles that you would have. Oh yeah. yeah. You're right. Totally fair. Yeah. Totally fair. I've never, I've never seen a player with a, a second jump, like, like Drummond's. I, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Oof. All right, Mike, thank you so much for appearing on the Detroit bad boys podcast. We really appreciate your insight on the wizards. Uh, where can the people uh, find you and get more of your basketball analysis? Yeah, so follow me on Twitter at Mike D. Sykes. Uh, my basketball tweets, are, they've been lacking, but that's that's also because like there's not that much basketball going on right, right. now. You, as have far a, as you have a real job. Goes. Well, I mean, even when I have a real job and I've told my real job this, and, and they appreciate this, I'm like, I'm not tweeting politics. I'm tweeting basketball, and, and that's it. Basketball and shoes, that is all I will tweet. And they're like, okay, well, as long as you're not making anyone angry on Twitter, then that's fine. And and that that is our agreement. So, you know, once the once the season rolls around, we'll see a lot more basketball for me. But but go follow me there in the meantime. I'll have some some jokes for you. And you can also clown me for uh my my fifty win prediction for, for this team. Yeah, when so Pistons fans, when the Wizards win like thirty five games, like clown Mike Sykes, please. <laughs> <laughs> send me your hate <laughs> and Mike and Mike you're about to get a nice little shout out from me on Twitter with a little preview of that uh that bold 50 win prediction so God. hate hate incoming <laughs> so Ben what's your what's your Twitter handle so people can find that uh you can find me <laughs> yeah they can find me at BR Gulker all right and uh people can find me on Twitter as always uh at last chance that's at l-a-z-c-h-a-n-c-e uh this has been the it's been like the third or fourth uh, team preview we've done so far. I can't keep track, but uh, we will have another one coming up for you guys in the middle of the week. Um, this has been the Detroit bad boys podcast, and we will see you guys later.